Hi, my name is Will. Welcome to The Church Split, and let's talk about a topic that might split your church. Hopefully not. I think I'm going to have to paraphrase that every single time. But anyway, uh, I want to take some time, because I referenced it in my other video, I want to take some time to address a doctrine that is uh, near and dear to my heart called, technical term, individual soul liberty. Individual soul liberty is a mouthful, so I might just say Christian liberty. You may have heard this phrase thrown around before at your church. And uh, growing up, it's funny because in growing up in the IFB church, which you're going to hear me talk a lot about that because, of course, that's the lens I have perceived things at, so you're going to hear it too. Uh, I noticed that there was a lot of division on how people simply lived their day-to-day -day life. And it's funny because we all say, say and believe that we have liberty in Christ, but it seems like oftentimes... Uh, people get upset when you exercise that right, that liberty. So I really want to take some time to talk about this. Uh, maybe, and maybe some people in your church do things that you don't think are wise. You think they're unwise, in fact, and you would actually maybe say it's almost wrong or maybe not quite wrong, but definitely, not, definitely bordering on unwise or foolish. And maybe with some of these things um, that they do, you just don't agree with or you wouldn't do. So how do we handle these situations? And what's funny is that for since the founding of the church, since, since the time of Jesus Christ, this topic has been around. It's never gone away of how do we deal with our differences with one another. This is something that we hear talk all the time of, uh, especially, in, and Paul deals with this a couple times, uh, how, to, how exactly to deal with division. So individual soul liberty, what is it? Well, individual soul liberty, in short, is the freedom each and every Christian has in Christ to make decisions based on their own conscience. Now, this isn't to become morally subjective. That's not the point. But the thing is that my conscience is different than your conscience, right? I'm going to look at certain things and go, eh, it's not that big of a deal. And you're going to look at it and go, I probably want to do that, right? And that's going to happen time and time again. So we need to address that. So we're going to come into uh, Romans 14 and bear with me in this video. It's really hard for me to, I didn't want to pick a singular verse or whatever. I wanted you to get the full context because that's the point of this whole point of this project. The whole point of this channel is to let's get the context of scripture first. So you're going to, I'm going to lay a lot of Bible on you here today, but uh, just for context sake, there are basically two groups that Paul addresses in the, his church in Romans 14, which essentially there is the church, the one side and one group that believes something was wrong that the others didn't. So in short, before meat, back in the time of the early church time of, at, during uh, the early church, there, the meat was offered up to the idols first in, the, in their various temples and whatnot. So, before it was sold to the public, meat was offered to idols. Well, this caused a division in the church because we're told not to engage in idolatry, am I right? And then we're also told to, you know, well, he's the only God. Uh, you know, El Shaddai, Yahweh, Yeshua, these are, he's the only God. So, why do I care if these were offered to fake gods? Because they're not really gods. So I'm not committing idolatry. I just want some steak, man. And then this other group went, well, no, that was offered to them. I want no part of that. You can keep your steak. I'm going to eat veggies and go vegan. Oh, good grief. Ugh, bless their hearts. I could not 
One thing's for sure, God knew what he was doing when he made me born now because I could not follow dietary rules of Judaism. I love bacon too much. But anyway, that's not, neither here nor there. So basically there's two groups. First group is that these false gods are false and to not eat the meat would be stupid because they're false. The other one is these false gods are idols. So to engage in anything surrounding idolatry is stupid. So don't be a stupid idolater. And here's what's funny is that you can kind of see the logic of both, can't you? Like, let's just, can we be honest there? I can see the logic of both. Like, yeah, I don't want to be involved in that. I'm good to engage in any sense of idolatry is stupid. And then the other group, which is, guys, it's not even real. So what does it matter? We can understand that. And so the question is, who is right? Who is wrong? Which group would you have landed in? Actually, that's a good question. Which group would you have landed in? Ask yourself that. So real quick, let's start reading Romans 14. And we're going to start in verse 1 and we're going to go through verse 12. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let, let the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day is better than another, while another esteems days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. So why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. There's a lot to unpack here. But one thing is for certain, he says that those who eat and those who don't both do so in honor of the Lord. Paul acknowledges that both groups, so, groups do so in thanks to God. And this is important when we're discussing various issues and matters of opinion. He even says right at the first part, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. When we're talking about different opinions, guys, that's what they are. They're different beliefs or they're different applications of scripture. It's not like either group was trying to be disrespectful to the other. They just had slightly different beliefs on this. And he calls them actually opinions, doesn't he? Which... You're going to hear me say this a lot. There's a difference between truth and opinion. Truth is unchanging. Your opinion can change. So truth and opinion, two separate things. So here he's saying opinion. Don't quarrel over opinions, not over truth. Okay. Each person will do various things and thanks and in honor to God. Some might be different than yours. I was actually talking to a friend of mine the other day, and he's uh, what I would 
he says basically a messianic Jew. That's really, he's a very Old Testament centered a Christian, but he still believes that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and that salvation is through faith. So he is a messianic Jew. But it was funny because he, when Easter time comes, what does he do? He doesn't celebrate Easter. He chooses instead to celebrate the Passover. And he has been condemned by other Christians for that. And he does, he celebrates the Passover as they did in the Old Testament, as God's people did for decades, for years. And he gets condemned by Christians sometimes for that, which makes no sense, right? Because that's, it, he does so in thanks to the Lord. So we have to make sure we have our heads on straight when it comes to this. Uh, you know, if when we talked about, I mentioned it in uh, my alcohol video, Can Christians Drink Alcohol? If you haven't seen it, you can go ahead and reference that after here. But I referenced that because when people sometimes have wine at maybe a Thanksgiving feast, they're doing so in thanks to God. They'll be like, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for, you know, the wine, which gladdens the hearts of men. But then there's others who say, no, God, I want no part of that. And thank you for being who you are. And I don't need that. So essentially, some people actually just go, hey, God, you know what? Thankfully, I abstain. So they in thanks they abstain and some in thanks they partake. So we have to make sure we do we understand that. We are all responsible for ourselves and our own conscience. Remember, he says, let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. So it's, it's very much a personal decision you're gonna have to make on some of these things. So the next point is of course, which gets brought up a lot when we talk about liberty, is to watch your step to not be a stumbling block. This is the stumbling block principle. Oftentimes when we discuss these issues, undoubtedly someone brings up this principle. So let's take a closer look at this. So the next few verses after that, Romans 14, and we're gonna start at verse 13. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith you, that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves, but whoever has doubts is condemned. If he eats because the eating is not from faith, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So most people go, aha, you see, there it is. You can't offend people. So you, if you're stumbling them, if you're if someone thinks that what you're doing is wrong, you better just stop it. And that's usually the argument that comes up a lot when it comes to like alcohol and all these other things. Well, if somebody thinks it's wrong, or if somebody sees you go into a movie theater, they don't they think it's wrong, so you just don't do it. You just abstain from all of it. But notice how it does not say offend. 
It doesn't say don't offend somebody. It says stumble somebody. The Bible uses very specific verbiage in regarding these topics. So, real quick question, what's the difference between offense and stumble? Well, people can be offended by literally anything, especially now in, what is it, 2019 as of this video. It is, and, and you can be offended by anything you choose to be. And in churches, people can get offended real quick. People get offended that, man, kids giggled in church. I have seen people get offended by children giggling in church. It's crazy what people can get offended by. So I can't help what you get offended by. And you can't help what I get offended by. So, it, it, and that, that can get very man-pleasing, can't it? Like, it could just be me trying to pander to you, and you trying to pander to me, and suddenly we're very fake because we're pandering all the stinking time. Try not to offend. People can be offended by anything. And remember, offending someone isn't necessarily bad. Jesus offended many people. Ask the chief priests, they will tell you. Uh, he offended people by simply healing on the Sabbath day. Paul offended plenty as well. I mean, he was carried outside of a city and stoned. You don't get stoned by not offending somebody. So, read. So, let's just take some time. So, we're going to read the so his letter to the church in Corinth. Um, and we're, you're going to see some more of what he says here. But I'm sure if you read his entire letter to the Church of Corinth, you'll see I'm sure he offended someone there. Stumbling is different. Stumbling means to actually cause someone to have a spiritual issue, a spiritual struggle, to trip them up spiritually and morally speaking, to tempt them back to their old habits and their old lifestyle. Paul here in context is talking about eating the meat in the temples. So the question is, why would getting meat from the temples stumble someone? Well, before these people were Christians, who were they worshiping and where did they worship? Right, they worshiped in those, in those temples. They worshiped those very idols. And you have to remember back then, I mean, it wasn't uncommon to have ceremonial orgies even and all these other gross and horrific things in those temples. So to go and partake of that meat when a brand new Christian who just got saved and separated himself from that sees Christians going to it, one, it could tempt them back to their old lifestyle. Two, if they're weak Christians, which he says at the very ver first verse, he talks about the weak. If you're, they're weak at the time, not because, you know, weakness being bad, just they're new, they're fresh, they're, their faith hasn't been built up yet. They won't understand the difference, maybe. They might be super confused. Why are they going there? I thought there's only one God. I guess there's a couple. I don't, what's happening? So the whole point here was, Paul was saying, hey, you have some freedom. You have freedom, but don't be a jerk about it. Be understanding. Be loving of your brother and sister. Keep in mind that it could affect someone else. So reel it in a little bit. Take, take some uh, checks and balances when you're out there engaging with other Christians. We have to be smart about it with our liberty. No, he never told them that they could not eat the meat just not to stumble someone. This is important too. He says, hey, you know, if you don't eat meat or drink wine, yeah, but he didn't make a blanket rule. Paul didn't say, you're not allowed to. He simply said not to stumble them because those who do and those who do not both do so in thanks to the Lord. 
but just don't stumble your brother when you do it. So he's just saying, be mindful. So a great example of this is, um, I know at fam some families, during Thanksgiving buy a really expensive bottle of wine and they serve it to the adults there. I know a family that does this, they do it every year. But if in that family you had someone who struggled with alcoholism, well, would that not be a stumbling block? You're, you're putting that in front of them? Absolutely. So don't stumble them. Then you, or, or you turn it around. And uh, another example is if I have someone in my house who hard, who deeply struggles with pornography, um, I don't give him Wi-Fi access or uh, the ability to access my computer. And I have actually done this with a friend of mine. And I actually used to call a friend every day who struggled with this issue. And I made sure that we didn't go to beaches. We didn't go to places that he could possibly be tempted back into his habit. Why? Because I didn't want to be a stumbling block. I didn't want to put him into harm's way. You know, me having access to that, I might not have that same struggle as he does, but I'm at least going to help build him up and not put a stumbling block in front of him. It's like, you know, you purposely know that they're going to fail when you do that. So be thoughtful. Another thing is I am a nerd. I have a Batman comic back there. I am a nerd to the core. I love a lot of things about it. I probably know more about Star Wars lore than a lot of other things in my life, which is about as, about as useless as it sounds. But... There are young people my age who are heavily addicted to video games. In fact, there's, uh, there's a young man I know that I work with who actually has this very struggle and that he doesn't really do anything. So when I get together with him, I don't play video games with him. We always find something else to do because I don't want to feed the habit. So not being a stumbling block is very important. And Paul continues this thought and he really fleshes it out later in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 13 says this. <laughs> Again, he's addressing the same topic. Now, concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God... He is known by God. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many, quote, gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist in one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, notice this, he eat food as re really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged? if his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols. And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus, sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Paul later on goes hardcore and says that he even gave up 
he that he would give up all his rights like essentially right like he's like hey i won't eat meat uh in romans he's like i won't even eat drink wine and we even see that he gives up his right to having a wife so he can serve god better so paul is Paul pulls no punches. I mean, this man is about as committed as you can get. Paul, of course, said he would also, you know, not eat of the meat as to avoid stumbling in a fellow Christian. So, was there anything wrong with those things? Is there wrong, anything wrong with eating meats? Is there anything wrong with eat, drinking wine? Is there anything wrong with having a wife? Well, I hope not, or else, <laughs> sorry. Um, Paul said so. No, of course not. That's silly. Notice that Paul even says that these people are weak yet. That, you know, they're, they, they struggle with this or they're fresh into their conversion. They haven't grown up, you know? They need time. So be an understanding of your fellow Christians. And that's why, you know, I try to be mindful with what I do. I try to be conscientious of who I'm around and what I'm doing around those who I'm around. And, you know, certain people I know, I could have a lot of freedom around. Why? Because I know, I know where they're established. I know where they found, you know, how anchored they are in their faith. And but other people, I know I have to tread a bit more lightly because they're not there yet. And that's okay. It's not putting them down. I needed someone to do that with me for a period of time so I could grow. So what's sad though for me is that there are Christians who have been Christians for decades. Absolutely, you know, they've been Christians for years and yet they, they're so easily bothered. And that's one of the whole thing where when Corinthians 3, where he, he, 1 Corinthians 3, where he talks about being, you know, eating of the meat and not being of, and not the milk and how we should be prepared to eat the meat now and not, you know, only having milk like babies in, in the spirit. But in fact, we should be grown and strong at this point. We Christians, we need more, more Christians with some thicker skin. And we need Christians who are able to not, who don't just stay in that weak state, but keep growing upward. And this isn't, this is a whole, obviously, another topic for another time. I'm not like saying that because that you you know individual soul liberty is a thing because you're weak um, and I'm strong and therefore that's the way this should work. But I'm really just as Christians in general, we ought to be working to become stronger and more anchored in our faith. But the thing is, is we have to remember not to get so easily bothered by such things. Because remember, not everyone thinks like you. Not everyone thinks like me. You don't think like me. I'm sure, I, I mean, I really hope you don't, because if so, you're going to forget everything. I'm the most forgetful person. I can be, I'm really weird because I'm super OCD, but yet super, anyway, I'm super forgetful and also all over the place. It's weird. I'm a weird person, so don't think like me. You don't think like me. I don't think like you. It's fine. Uh, you're, you got the better end of the deal. Trust me. But never try to shove your decisions made in the, your own liberty of Christ down another Christian's throat. This is another thing we see. Well, I think it's okay, so I'm going to keep trying to get you to believe it. No, don't do that. Their, their conscience is not the same as yours. And good reason for it. It's the whole body of Christ. We're all different. There's diversity of thought in the body of Christ, and that's good. We are the body. Each one of us is different. Love and respect those differences. I think certain things are fine. As mentioned already, I have Batman back there. I know Christians who might think that something like that is sinful and evil. That's, you know, hey, or they might just think it's wrong or something that they don't want to be around. Hey, that's fine. You don't have to like Batman. I do. It's cool. You know, obviously I'm talking about something silly here, but having some respect of our differences. You don't have to agree 
You don't even have to like what somebody does necessarily, but you do need to respect it as long as it's not a moral issue. You know, I'm not saying I'm trying to justify some promiscuity or thieving or anything like that. I'm not trying to justify someone lying. Oh, he lied, so it's in his, his liberty to do so. No, Paul even says, shall we sin so that grace may abound? God forbid, right? So I'm not justifying sin. I'm just saying that the way we operate might be different in our day-to-day -day life. Remember, divisions are always caused by sin and the flesh. So that which is moral and that which is preferential. Let's talk about that for a second. Some things are moral issues, right? And other things are preferences. Problem is in many churches, many people get confused between their preferences and their morals. You know, uh, morally speaking, I have a strong obligation to be honest, right? I'm going to be, an, I'm going to try to be an honest person and not to lie. You know, that's a moral obligation. However, my preferences is something like, well, I'll just pick something silly. Marvel is better than DC, right? And it is. All right, Marvel's is better than DC. If you disagree, you're wrong. Or Han Solo's the best Star Wars character. Again, you can disagree, but you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> These are preferences. Or to apply it to the church, I might prefer that we sing two praise songs and four hymns, but you might prefer that we do all hymns. Okay? This, those are preferences. Those aren't moral topics, okay? So I, I think I'm beating a dead horse here, but I just really want you guys to understand this. So many people get confused between their preferences and their morals. That's the point. And I also want to say this. We get confused because our preferences are different than scripture. Scripture deals with our morals and our doctrine. So if these words ever escape your mouth, which is, I know what the Bible says about this, but stop. Stop right there. It's full stop, in fact. If you know what the Bible says, that's it. You're done. It's over. Accept what the Bible says about it. And then if someone disagrees with you and it's not a biblical topic, you should probably respect that difference. So, Anyway, it's just a red flag that you're trying to follow the conventional wisdom of men or your own preferences as, oppo as opposed to what God says about that. So a couple of questions uh, for you, is, which is this, and I think is, these are very, very practical for us to ask, which is first, do you want to be a weak Christian or a strong Christian? Well, I want to be a strong Christian, so therefore I'm going to build myself up and be at least, and try to work on all my weaknesses. I don't want anyone to make me stumble, of course, but I need to be responsible for myself because one day I will stand before the judgment. So I really need to work on myself, build myself up, and seek Jesus Christ and study His Word and use His and have His Spirit build me up. I don't want to be a weak Christian. I want to be a strong Christian. I want to be tough. But also, um, of course, on that, if you know someone's a weak Christian, or maybe they're just new to the faith, so therefore they're weak, maybe you should disciple them. Maybe you should get to know them. Help build them up. Learn their struggles and help them be accountable to you. And then help you be accountable to them. You guys can build one another up. That's the whole point, right? But anyway, the next question is, if the Holy Lord Jesus Christ gave believers this freedom, then who are we as sinful man to take it away. This is something God really worked on my heart with because, I, like I said, I was raised a very independent fundamentalist. And um, it wasn't until I was in, I think I first started Bible college, and I noticed that 
you could definitely tell once you, because under one church, you're under one, one pastor, one school of thought. And of course, everyone there is in mutual rough agreement with everything. You might have some disagreements, but generally speaking, a church cultivates its own culture and you become part of that church culture and your beliefs. But I've never seen anything converge like when I went to Bible college and there are so many fundamentalists all crashing together. And it's funny because they're all super opinionated and a lot of it wasn't built on scripture. And I realized real quickly and I started thinking about it as we were going through different doctrines and this one came up was, man, Jesus gave us freedom here. So then who am I to take it away? Where, where, do I not know my place? Uh, Jesus gave this freedom to believers, so I should probably respect his his decision there, shouldn't I? I I'm learning my place in the world a little bit there. And so often we forget that individual soul liberty, Christian liberty, is a liberty Christ gives us, and that it's under his authority to do so. We're just told not to stumble one another. So let me be clear. We have, we all have liberty in Christ, and each of us will choose to engage or not to engage in certain activities according to our own strengths, weaknesses, and conscience. I'm going to make different decisions because I have certain strengths and I also have certain weaknesses. So I'm going to avoid certain things and I'm going to engage in some things, and yours might be opposite of mine, and that's okay. I have a lot of friends of mine who uh, who avoid different things for various reasons and me too and we talk about it and we're good and we're happy and i can respect him and he's not doing anything wrong and he can respect me i'm not doing anything wrong no one's way here is better than another's remember christ died to free you not to bind you we oftentimes think that you know christ christ died yeah for our sins so he freed us from sin but you know now we're bound and we they, we put up these gigantic fences and it's like god puts put this little wall around us. I said, all right, here's your freedom. And we said, well, God, yours isn't good enough. I'm going to put a few more fences out here just in case you didn't mean it. <laughs> and that's not how Christian liberty is supposed to work. Uh, you, you know, God already did the work. He, he, he did the work to free you, not to bind you. So keep that in mind. And so a few principles here, just a few principles. I'm going to read them off to you regarding individual soul liberty which is we are each responsible for ourselves and our own walk with God. God holds us each individually responsible and we will all give an account. So in short, worry about your life and you will find that you have a lot less time to stress out about everyone else's lives. The next principle is that Christian liberty does not give you permission to sin. Your liberty is in Christ, remember? Therefore, within the boundaries of his righteousness and his scripture. So your freedom is in Christ, not in the world to do whatever you want. The third principle is a believer should not use their liberty in a way that could hurt another's spiritual walk, which we've addressed a lot. Stumbling someone's walk is also different than someone being offended. I'm reviewing some of this stuff, but I think it's important. If a mature Christian is becoming easily offended because they simply don't like something, then they are the ones causing the division based on their own opinions and preferences and therefore causing division. One of the things that drives me crazy the most, and this I've seen this in a lot of churches, which is as soon as somebody puts forth a, a complaint 
well, that really bothered so-and-so. They didn't like that. So then they, they, may, they punish the majority for the deed of the individual, essentially. They, they create all these rules because it offended one or two people. And if you're so easily offended, well, then you need to toughen up. We need to have thicker skin. We, had, we literally had people in Scripture dying for the gospel. And now we can't even learn to be unified and we're offended over small, silly things. So keep in mind, being offended is very different than stumbling. Liberty does not allow one to be separate from the local church either. I don't go to church because ah, well, I have liberty in Christ. Well, no. Again, it goes back to the whole we're not supposed to sin because we are our freedom is in Christ, therefore within his boundaries. We are all commanded to fellowship with one another, not forsaking our assembling, and engage in the assembly of believers. Your liberty does not excuse you from that responsibility that he that he commanded. You still ought to be engaged in a church. It's 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 not and plus, man, it's it'll benefit you. Being engaged in a great church is the, one of the best things you can have. I, I'm pretty pretty happy with being at the church and the fellowship that I'm involved in. No one should attempt the other one, no one should attempt to force or push their own thoughts and standards on another Christian. We all walk our Christian walk differently, so show some respect in all things. And liberty means the individual is free to hold their own beliefs, thoughts, and standards, even if the individual's beliefs go against what many may consider conventional wisdom or the cultural norm. All that Christians do ought to be first rooted in Scripture. Excuse me. Do not flaunt your liberty. Between, so, do not flaunt your liberty. Whatever you believe about certain things, you should keep between yourself and God and not always run around and advertise it to everyone. Of course, if you know their position on it and you guys have that and you're able to have that conversation, great, but don't be running around purposely seeking division. It's, it's ridiculous. I have, I have family members of mine I disagree with a lot on a lot of different things. I just avoid those topics with them unless they engage with me and they ask my personal opinion because I just don't need that division in my life it's, and they don't need that division in theirs. You know, you guys disagree. You already know they do. So just don't go advertising it. Also, liberty does not mean you fellowship with a Christian only when you sort out their personal beliefs. Like, you know, you walk up with them with your doctrinal or your personal beliefs checklist. Like, okay, do you believe... Uh, the husband is the head of the home. Okay. All right. Good, good, good. Okay. Now, do you believe your girls should only wear skirts? Okay. Okay. Um, do you believe in wearing ties to church? No, you don't wear ties. Okay. That's it. We can't be friends. We're done. I'm out of here. I, this, I'm done. Table flip. I really wanted to, but then I don't want to spill my coffee or crash my microphone. <laughs> but anyway, liberty does not mean that you only get to uh, engage in fellowship with somebody once you've sorted out their beliefs. I have friends and f church members I disagree with on things. And guess what? I can still engage in fellowship with them. That's fine. And I've had some people go, Pastor Will, like, I kind of disagree with you on that. I'm like, that's fine. All right, you don't have to. Why, why do you disagree? They explain to me why. I'm like, yeah, it sounds like an opinion matter. So you're allowed to do that. That's fine. I'll respect you on that. Anyway, and then of course, the last point is the best one, which is remember who gave you the liberty, which is Christ. Christ gave up his liberty so that you could have yours. 
So use yours wisely and be live in thankfulness to him for the liberty he gave you. And also I think if you remember the love of Christ in your liberty, it'll help prevent you from being a stumbling block to one another while still navigating in his liberty. So, and it seems like to me in the church, we tend to have a mindset, which is, well, we all have liberty in Christ. Yeah, but like we prefer if you didn't use it, that'd be great. We seem to have that mindset and it's kind of silly to me because, and, and when, we say you have liberty, but then we try to restrain that liberty so much, then we wonder why the world looks at the church as a judgmental, critical, cookie-cutting cult. Because you say one thing and you're doing another. You say, yeah, you have this liberty, but now I'm going to put on all these arbitrary rules and standards and all these superficial ideas. And No, we have liberty. Engage in that liberty. It's fine, but just don't stumble. If you want to be effective at reaching people and growing your own church and preventing it from splitting, stand on scripture first and learn how to engage with people despite your apparent differences. This is really going to help you. We can tell by Paul's writings that they definitely disagreed. Jesus did not discriminate people based on their differences. He simply said, take up your cross and follow me. He didn't ask Peter. He didn't ask any of his other disciples, you know, Simon, hold up. What are your thoughts on X, Y, and Z? He did not do that. He said, take up your cross, follow me, right? So God lets us make decisions on a myriad of various issues to make us more like Christ. And it can feel like a dangerous doctrine, right? Like, oh, this seems like it's way too much freedom, but it's actually a brilliant one. We all work together despite our differences, like Christ does with us. Do you think Christ doesn't disagree with some things maybe in your life? I know he probably does with mine. I, I'm not a perfect person. You're not either. But yet he still chooses to engage in fellowship with us, does he not? So, and he still chose to die on the cross. So remember, what does scripture say first? And to quote the old mantra of Sola Scriptura, which is only what the Bible says and the Bible alone. If it's not in the Bible, and this is, if it's not in the Bible, then to heck with it, man. Like, we don't need to fight and divide over all these things. Let's have some Christian liberty here, and that's okay. And that's not something we should kill each other on. God says what he means, and he means what he says. He makes clear what sin is and what righteousness is. So, don't sweat yourself over all these small things. After all, they are small. You know what sin is. You know what righteousness is. Do that which is righteous. Don't do that which is sin. And all that stuff in the middle there, you're going to have to just pray, seek the Lord's face a little bit, and navigate with your conscience and not create stumbling blocks for everyone else. So remember, Christ gave up his liberty through his death on the cross. He died so that we, we may be free from sin and to be free in him. So I hope this has been helpful for you. Uh, it's a longer video than I planned on it being, but this is an important doctrine. I, and you're going to hear me reference Christian liberty a lot in, in this. So it's important that we have a good, healthy understanding. So this is a very long video for that. I uh, hope you liked it. Go ahead and like, share, subscribe, and all that good stuff. If you want to, you can become a patron. If not, just keep watching my videos. Or if you don't, if you just hate it and you think I'm a heretic, put the thumbs down button. That's fine. I'll probably get a few of those. It's okay. You don't call it church split for nothing. But with that being said, Said, hope you enjoyed it. Have a good day.